save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 284. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership, episode 284. So happy to have you on the show. So thrilled and honored and excited to have Chris Brogan back on the show for the third time. Chris has been a great supporter of Dose of Leadership. I love what he's doing. He's uh, the CEO of Owner Media Group. He provides strategy and skills and consulting for all types of modern businesses. He's spoken or consulted with some of the biggest brands that we all know from Disney, Coke, Google, GM, Microsoft, Coldwell Banker, on and on and on. He's been on the Dr. Phil show. Um, He's worked uh, with Stephen Pressfield, who I'm a big fan of. Tony Robbins had Chris on his Internet Money Masters series. Forbes has listed Chris as one of them of the must follow marketing minds. And uh, Forbes also listed his website as one of the 100 best websites for entrepreneurs. I mean, he is a top thought leader. I love his stuff, and he's the most generous giving guy, most authentic and honest guy that you're going to come across online and uh, and in life. So I highly encourage everybody on Dose of Leadership to check out Chris Brogan at chrisbrogan.com. Subscribe to his newsletter. Um, it is my favorite newsletter that I subscribe to. And again, Chris is just an all-around Great guy. We talk about tenacity, um, never giving up. He's got some great insights that I just think you're going to love from Chris, particularly on the idea of like what does it mean for quitting and the difference, the the, the very subtle but very powerful difference between quitting and surrendering. Um, great nugget there you're going to get out of this show. Again, I just cannot say enough about Chris, and you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Again, thanks for being a fan of Dose of Leadership. I love hearing from all of you. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. Send me a direct line at richard at doseofleadership.com or go to my website, doseofleadership.com, and click on the contact um, uh, menu item and submit your uh, info info there. You can also go to richardryerson.com, and you can check out my speaking, coaching, and consulting services myself. Um, a masterminding. I've started some masterminds where you can uh, become part of the Legacy Leadership Blueprint, Blueprint Series, Mastermind Series, where you can have access to 20 videos and four online group coaching sessions and one one-on-one group coaching session or one-on-one coaching session with me. You can find out all that information at doseofleadership.com. Just click on Legacy Leadership Blueprint. I'd love to see you in my next mastermind there. Again, thanks for being a fan of the show and uh, thanks for subscribing to Dose of Leadership. I couldn't do it without you. And uh, without further ado, here's a great conversation with the one and only Chris Brogan. Well, Chris, so excited to have you back on the show. Welcome back to Dose of Leadership, my friend. Richard, it's been a, a minute, but I'm really glad to be back in your presence. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a huge fan. I've always, you know, loved 
Loved how you've supported the show and loved what you do. Love the value you provide to the world. I mean, you've done a lot for my entrepreneurial journey, just so that you know. And uh, as uh, my thank you to you over these past three years, um, you've been a great support behind the scenes. And plus, thank you for uh, supporting the show vocally as well. Can you believe three years, though? That's crazy. I know. I mean, that's a milestone. You've really got some tenacity to be able to keep it going like that. (laughs) Well, it's going to be four years in January, so it's just hard to believe that. uh, But uh, I love it. I love doing this. The show has changed my life. It's certainly uh, steered me um, down paths and created a network I didn't even think was possible. So uh, to anybody that's out there listening um, and you put, you posted something last week about, there's been some great articles about people posting about starting podcasts, you know, should they, or shouldn't they, you know, in this, this kind of crowded world. And I'm kind of of the belief that if you've got something to say and you say it with authenticity and, and with heart, I mean, go for it. That's how, kind of where I stand. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, I, I think there's a bunch of people who maybe get the wrong idea about whether or not they should start because they think it's sort of a me too thing, like having a Twitter account or something. Exactly, and I think right. that that's going to go nowhere. But, um, you know, most of us have something we want to say to people. And I think a lot of times we think that maybe we shouldn't because maybe no one's going to be into what I'm into. <laughs> but right. I can tell you the internet is a vast place and yeah. there is someone into what you're into. Exactly. You know? And you don't so have to. You can always do it. You don't have to have everybody. Like you'd only need. You know, I think um, what you need, like a thousand super fans, and your world can be completely different. You know, just a thousand. That's right. The right one thousand. Big fan of that mindset. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about. You mentioned the word tenacity there, and it's something that it's, it's, uh, I reached out to you because I, I I wanted to get your perspective on this. I love some of the things that you have to say about you know never giving up, not quitting, tenacity. Um, it's a theme that is has probably dominated all of the almost 400 conversations that I've had on this show, but I never really did a deep dive on it. And I would like to deep dive it with you because you seem to be something that is, that is important in your life. I mean, this idea of never giving up, not quitting. What are your thoughts on tenacity and not giving up? Well, so it's really funny. Um, I, I will, I will change some of the language in this and it, it's, um, I have a I have a very different view than some of the uh, current uh, T-shirt software uh, <laughs> right. about this space, you know. And I always see these shirts that say "Never give up, never quit," or "Don't give up, don't quit." And I am a big uh, I'm a big student of language. And when I say that, I think that the words we use program us. And so when I see those shirts, here's what I hear: Never give up, don't. <laughs> quit. I hear all negative words. So I'll Mm. never say it. I don't say those words. I never say never give up. I never say don't quit. In fact, I love quitting. What I don't like is surrender. So I'll I'll give you some, you know, sort of different language for this. I think move forward and, you know, something that uh, you'll appreciate in your military background and also they teach us in survival uh, is that movement is life. Right. And I think that move is the opposite of the whole worries about giving up and quitting. You know, I'll give you a really weird, boring, basic example. I had to take out the trash this morning. And I have this kind of weird method in my trash, in my world, which is that I have one big trash can and I fill it up and I take that trash can out. I'm not a, you know, 20 trash cans around the house kind of guy. And even the few extras that, you know, I have for my little kids, um, they all go into the one can. So then I always end up with this big giant construction, you know, contractor bag full of trash and it's always heavy. And so I like it because it's like an extra workout. It's like free, free fitness. Um, but as I'm walking it to the, uh, can today, the, the big dumpster, I start thinking, 
I'm going to make it all the way there without having to put this thing down. It's, <laughs> right. it's pretty heavy. It's like 60, 70 pounds on my back. And I, I've got it kind of flung up on one shoulder. And then I say to myself, and I'm not going to switch arms. Like I'm just going to do this all in one take, no stopping. So I say to myself, movement, movement, movement. And in that moment, Richard, all I'm doing is moving a trash bag from my, my building to my dumpster. <laughs> right. But I'm thinking there's so much in this moment that is just like what we have to do in our life, in our business, in our world, with our relationships. And that is just keep moving. You know, Dory in Fighting Nemo just keeps swimming. I think that, you know, uh, there's been a strange election cycle that's gone through, not to make this thing especially timed or dated. But I can tell you that in that process, a lot of people have felt a little weird on all sides of the aisle. And really, Richard, the same answer is true. You just have to move. So I believe quitting is okay. I think surrender is an enemy. I think surrender is the bad thing because surrender and quit are two different things. Quit is you did it on your terms. Surrender is you had to give in. I love that kind of distinction. I mean, that's a great um, distinction and a great insight. Because, and it's absolutely true because it's almost like the word failure becomes almost nonsensical in, in that vein, right? Because surrender is, yeah, I, all hope is lost. Um, quitting means, yeah, okay, I'm going to stop this part. I'm going to start doing something else, but I'm still moving, right? I'm still moving towards some objective. And, um, it's almost like, I, I guess that's the thing that struck out to me is that failure becomes a nonsensical word. What does it even mean? Right? Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've dampened failure a little bit in my world. I just wrote about this recently. Um, I, I, so I think failure is a great teacher. Right? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Tony Robbins said failure is just an outcome that you didn't expect or right. want, right. you know, and, and I love that because it really changes just another outcome, right? So instead of fail, I have a little mantra in my life. I stole the idea of this, uh, kind of from the OODA loop, which oh, yeah, is, yeah. you know, uh, observe, orient, uh, de decide and act, which is, uh, evidently the number one winning military strategy when all the strategies had a chance to fight each other out. Um, so I have adapt sorry, I have attempt, fail, adapt, AFA. Yep. So instead of just failing, uh, any failure obviously must have had an attempt before it. And then the other option, of course, is attempt and win, right? So either AFA, attempt, a fail, and adapt, and then you go again. That's why there's a loop in this. Mm -hmm. Or AW, attempt and win, right? Either way, you got to some outcome that you did or didn't want, and you can work. But I think that when you look at it that way, it helps people with their fear of failure problem. Fear of failure is just, you know, it's one of those things that like once you master how not to be afraid of failing, everything in life just gets better. Yeah. Everything. It's you like can talk to that pretty girl. You can, yeah. you know, whatever. It's all going to be great. I always contend that the moment that you can stop worrying about being wrong, then your, your life completely transforms or goes into a completely different direction. The moment you can stop worrying about being wrong, it's completely liberating. Truly. Truly and utterly. Once you don't have to think that you have to be the smartest person in the room or the best person in the room or the most amazing, you know, the best leaders I've ever met. I'm working with the CEO right now of this company, um, hundred and something million dollar company, pretty good. They want to get to a couple billion dollars. So they brought me in to say, how do we do that anyway? I said, gee, I don't know, but we'll figure it out together. <laughs> um, what I love about the CEO is he works 100% through his team. He never says, I'm smart. He only says, my team is great. He never says, I've got a great idea. He says, I'm bringing this team together so we can come up with the best ideas possible. And that, Richard, is, I think, just a great model for all of life. I think that the best leaders that you and I both know uh, don't pound their chest nearly as much as they talk about how great and powerful the men around them are, the women are around them. Yeah, it always amazes me, particularly, and and um, I get a lot of this from the Marine Corps, but it's like if you walk into 
a room and you feel like you have to have all the answers and you have to be the smartest person in the room and that as a leader, I got to be infallible. It puts tremendous pressure on yourself and it's just like it, it, it never leads to success. But if you can sit there and walk in and say, hey, I don't have all the answers. We're going to figure out this together. That exudes a level of confidence that I think a, a few people, I mean, it's extremely powerful. To walk into a room and say, hey, I don't know, but you know what? I, one thing I do know, as a leader, I'm suspending the belief in how we're going to get done. I just know we're going to get done. That, to me, is the ultimate in confidence. Well, because it also, not only is it confident, and I agree with you 100%, it, it also allows us to share in that moment because, you know, when you walk in the room and the leader's got all the answers, then you just, you get to coast. You get to sit back. You get to be like, well, I guess this guy's got it, <laughs> right. you know? But that's that doesn't bring forward the best in anything, Richard. So no. I think the best leaders say, let's all get in on this. Now, the difference is, you know, a real good leader finally makes the judgment, the decision, and commands the action forward. But I would say that she or he has to really drive from a spot of, I'm willing to, you know, accept all the brilliance that I can uh, have around me so that I can make the best choice. Yeah, I will always equate it to you know, flying a multi-crew aircraft when you're in that cockpit. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen the autocratic, you know, aircraft commander where it's, you know, I'm the captain, everybody else just shut up. And that just is such a, a, a dampening, gross environment. But when you get to the like, okay, and and I've tried to do this when I've had emergencies in the cockpit and say, okay, this is what I think we should do. What do you guys think? And everybody kind of gets their input. And sometimes, you know, that input is enlightening and, and steers the, the ultimate, uh, correction or decision. But ultimately, yeah, that aircraft commander makes a decision. It's like, okay, I've taken everybody's input. This is what we're going to do. Everybody comfortable with that? And then you go, right? And I think it's that's the kind of critical piece you were talking about. At some point, you're going to have to make the decision. And uh, go, yeah. go ahead. No, and I was going to say, I mean, tying this back to sort of tenacity and determination, that comes from you know, making lots of those decisions, right? So right. one of the things about kind of moving forward all the time is getting the opportunity to make tons of those decisions, which also means having more and more and more inputs from other people. And so that working with a group of people adds to your ability to be tenacious because you've seen more, Absolutely. you've talked about more, you've gotten more angles and perspectives. So you can bring that more forward to more people. Caveat that with that too, is you got to be careful. You can almost get almost two information. At some point you got to pull the trigger and make a decision. That's why I like the 75% rule. You know, if you get 75% of the information, then make the decision. Let the other, let your intuition, your instinct, the other 20, fill in the other 25% and then pull the trigger. That's, I'm, that's a huge caveat to keeping the, keeping it moving forward. You talked about movement. That's a huge part of it, right? Yeah, I like that. And, 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 you know, it's real important to think that way, of course, because I think that, uh, you know, death by committee is a problem. A lot of times, so what do you, how <laughs> yeah, right. do we all feel about it? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, times yeah. Where it doesn't matter where we feel about it. The answer is go left. Yeah. So. Go left. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like it. So how do you, how has, um, your working, particularly working with um, companies and CEOs and in the last, I don't know, say five or 10 years, how is your decision-making authority? How is your ability to make decisions in, in crisis situations evolved? Oh, Richard, what a question. I love it. Uh, so I think there's a handful of things that I bring to my stories anytime I talk to uh, big companies or, or even small companies or even one person. And it's that first off, when someone uh, comes with a challenge, they almost don't, never really know the real challenge that they have. I've, I've 
hundred percent believe that oh, none a, of us yeah, do. That's a good insight. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Listen, you and me, you and I sit down for coffee somewhere or beer or whatever we're doing, and I say, Richard, man, I'm so messed up, and I spit out the thing I messed up about. You will, if you're like, well, you would, but like the average person will not hear the real thing that the person said. They'll go, sounds to me like this might be the problem. Because it almost always is, right? It's never mm-hmm. what the person brought to you. It's what you discover when they tell you what they think their problem is. Right. That's number one. Number two is once you do that, you've got to bring a really broad perspective to say, I can – here's like eight different ways to look at this thing. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the one I think might be the best for you and you can think about it. And that's to, to bring a broad perspective. Right after that, it is so important. And, and if there were any skill that I wanted everybody in the universe to work on, every day a lot more is to be better at simplifying things and be better at communicating what, you know, how they want to talk about or what they need to bring about. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, uh, it's amazing how many people try to use big words so that they can seem smarter or they, uh, use, they try to overcomplicate the concept because they, they want to make sure that everyone knows that it's really important. But, uh, I, I think similar to your point about as we get a little more mature, uh, we don't have to be right all the time. I think as we get a little bit mature, we don't have to look like we're wizards anymore either. We can just say, <laughs> right. you know, here's a simple thing because I don't know, I've sold simplicity more and more for the last five or six years. And I can tell you that uh, people really appreciate the refreshing nature of me not bringing a 25 point matrix to every conversation and saying, do you want to go left? Then we should go left. Yeah. That's refreshing that you said that because it, it's almost like we've had we have to be reprogrammed to, to to become simple. I don't know. Are we hardwired for complexity? I mean, it seems like our natural state would be simplicity, but it seems like it's so difficult to get there sometimes. Is it our society? Is it our culture? I mean, or are we wired that way? I think there's two things that bring us there, Richard. One is so basic, so simple. It's fear. Uh, we are afraid of people's perceptions. We are afraid of. Uh, clarity issues. We're afraid of a lot of different things that make us try to make things more complex, number one. Number two, we accidentally mistake uh, busy with oh, yeah, movement. For sure, yeah. We mistake the, the concept of busy with movement. And and so we think that we're working on these to-do lists and we've got these big ideas and we've, we've worked out this big, huge system and a process and a huge procedure, uh, but nothing's getting done. And, and uh, that's because movement isn't happening, just busyness is happening. And I think that between fear and the, the illusion of busyness, I think is where most people's problems are. I can tell you that uh, like 80, maybe 90% of all conversations I have with other human beings, maybe just because of, I guess, who people think I am or something, all have the same phrases in it. I know you're busy. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy. And every single time I say the same thing, Richard, I'm not busy. I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm not busy. I mean, and some days it's utterly true. I'm playing video games. You know what I mean? I'm hanging out with my kids. Right. Uh, we're out for the gym. But it, I think we keep thinking busy is a great badge, but busy just means we're not the best leader we could be. Busy means we haven't done the best job leading. And that's, I think, what we have to work on. I agree. And I certainly am guilty of that. Of I've certainly had the, you know, I felt good having that really massive to-do list. And I, I downloaded the latest, greatest whiz-bang app that was a to-do list and that reminded me and color-coded and did things and gave me reminders and alerts. And it wasn't until you take an honest look at that to-do list, you know, and, and, and I'm marking off, you know, little things that have little consequence to the grand scheme of what I am and what I'm supposed to be doing on this planet. 
And when you look at the to-do list and you look at those things like, well, what am I really called to do? What am I in, in, you know, the list of like 30 things, maybe one of them feeds that. And that one of them though is hard. It makes my gut in, in knots and because it's, it's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? It's the difficult conversation or the difficult decision or the difficult action of, or stepping forward in that leap of faith. Why I don't do it. And that's why I, I love that you said that, but it's about not being, um, you know, covering up that busyness. And I've certainly done it because it, but it's almost like it's a procrastination uh, tool for me anyway. It's been, it's like, well, I, you know, I need to go mow the lawn because I don't really want to do this other thing because of the fear of failure or fear of getting rejected or whatever the case may be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I say to all my author friends, I say, you know, who's got the cleanest house in the world? An author. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> right? they're always wow, doing. I've got to get that bookshelf cleaned up. You know? Yeah, I'll get back to uh, writing once I yeah change the oil in the car or whatever. Yeah, that's right. These windows sort of look dirty. It's kind of messing with my writing ability, <laughs> and you know that kind of thing. But I think that I mean you're totally right that uh, busy can be a procrastination tool. But again, uh, it's a t- it's a term I use. I know it's a little uh, risque, maybe, but I we I call it noble masturbation because <laughs> right. like it feels good mentally like yeah. you're like oh look at me man i got this to-do list done yeah but you know it doesn't I, i'll tell you this almost 100% of every company in the world that needs somebody to help them has exactly the same problem 100% of the time they need more customers right right Right. There's no magic to that. Like if I were a consultant anywhere in the world, I, I'd be like, hey, here's your problem. You need more customers. <laughs> right. Uh, um, you know, it, but that's not that interesting to say. So instead we say, well, we have a supply chain problem. You can work on all these complexities. They're all perfect. And, it, you know, like you say, flying a, a multi-crew aircraft is not that simple, except that I have a few details. Like I know it's pretty good to stay in the air. I know it's, <laughs> landing's harder than taking off. And I know that in between that, there's probably a lot of stuff that needs doing. Yeah. Um, but that all said, when we get down to it, there's almost always like simple things we can work on. So when I get stuck with procrastination, when I'm feeling a little busy, when I'm trying to figure out, you know, I need my tenacity right now because, man, I need more customers. I say, well, what's going on? So I'll give you a really simple example in my own real world. Uh, when I have people sign up to my newsletter, we take them through this little process. Well, I just signed up to my own newsletter again today. And, and, uh, and looked at it with different eyes. And I said, hmm, this letter is really long. I don't know that I'd actually read this thing. Well, there's lots of information in it that's kind of important, but that's because I think it's important because I want people to have the best information. It doesn't mean that my subscribers, like I can't wait to read Chris's huge thousand word, here's how to sign up to my newsletter and what comes next thing. Uh, I then put them through this uh, quiz sort of, this, this set of questions to ask people so I can help them better understand what they might want to do with their business. Well, I looked at the questions. I said, they seem a little old. They're not like what I'm talking about right now. They seem complex. So even if in your own business, if you feel like you're procrastinating, go through the thing that's going to best work to make your customer happier or make your customer better or make the system flow better or something like that. You can you can procrastinate if you want, but do it by improving your own business. Yeah, it's almost like taking that time, you know, well, it's the listening piece. And I think listening to yourself and then listening to what the customer actually wants I think it was you that told me a few years ago. It says, you know, you, you solve somebody's problem, they'll empty their pockets for you. I think you yeah. told me that one time. And and it's so true. It's like we, instead of focusing on the latest, greatest process or how I can make my website look better, before you do any of that, listen to what the, what your customer wants. I mean, what do they even want and how do you go find them? Right. I mean, it, it's amazing 
how many websites I, I look at for my clients and or my owners and we'll be looking at something. Well, I'll give you an example. This guy sells uh, graphic design type services. He sort of, he sells logos and website types, projects and all that. And he says, well, I want to do more than that. So I go to his site and the big giant uh, language at the very top of the page talks about what he does and who he is and how he represents himself. I said, oh, great. This is like a monument to you. What it isn't is telling me how you fix my problem. Right. So uh, by extension, you know, if you go to my site, which is owner.media, you peek at it, you'll say, oh, well, it says what I'm going to get there, uh, skills for the modern st- – uh, strategy and skills for the modern business. Oh, I needed some strategy. I needed some skills, right? So I think that no matter what you sell, the the – the most important thing you need to do is explain how it's going to make your buyer's world better. Uh, the biggest advice I could give anybody is make your buyer the hero. And if we're not looking for that mindset, then we don't know where to spend our time, which again gets us back to why we procrastinate. Mm-hmm. What about? I'm always fascinated about, um, particularly when I I, I, did, I did a present or as an emceeing an entrepreneurship event last month, and I was talking to some pretty high level entrepreneurs and in the, the night before the event. And uh, I was talking to this gentleman and he said, you know, um, I don't think you can really be successful in life until you have what he called the dark night of the soul. And what he meant by that was um, at some point along the way, and it's varying degrees for everybody, but your back is going to be up against the wall and there are no other options. That is when the tenacity or, or being tenacious really comes to fruition. We really don't know what tenacious means or tenacity means until our backs against the wall we don't have any other options. I thought it was an interesting take that it was almost like you can't in what I heard him say was you cannot get into this club until you have that dark night of the soul. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a lot to that. I think there's some benefit in well, I, look at the entire uh, military process. Well, for you, it's the whole Corps, and then for all the other uh, branches, it's their special operations units because right. everyone knows that all Marines are about equivalent to a special <laughs> ops guy. Right. Um, so in all of those things, there's a lot of you must be tested. Um, yeah. I was I was watching um, – so Mark Devine, uh, who is a former Navy SEAL, runs yeah. this thing called Seal Fit and mm-hmm. Kokoro Camp where uh, civilians like me can go and pretend to be a SEAL for a little while. And I haven't done it because I'm scared to death. Like I'm pretty sure I'll fail. Um, and what I love though is he says uh, in this long video they're, where they're walking people through the process, he says, I have to break you down. And so it's really funny how some people will sort of fight against this at the beginning of this process saying like, well, you're not going to break me. And he goes, but I can't do what I do unless I break you. He goes, so it's this like weird thing where the person swears they're going to win in the first stage of the process and they don't realize that they have to say, okay, now I'm broken. Now I'm ready to be fixed. Uh, it's not my model, but I think similar to that idea of uh, you don't know until you've hit the bottom, I think that's utterly true. I think we, we – uh, a lot of us are trying to figure out how to put our toe into the water from the top of the diving board. Right. And I think that, you know, that never quite works, obviously. You know, you got to dive and you can jump. It's fine. You can, you can, you can cannonball or belly flop or whatever. Uh, but you got to leave that diving board and there's going to be a moment that there's air between you and the water. And I think that what goes on in trying to learn about what you got to do is when you want to scrap for something and you want to keep going. See, it's, it's that moment where you think, well, I could just quit. And I, and I don't think, I think we should all entertain that thought. You know, I'm, I'm running this business. I'm talking to my guy, Rob, we've had a couple of rough months and I said, Hey Rob, let's quit and get jobs. And then we laugh. 
you know, because it just, I can't even fathom uh, being a regular daily employee to some other person right now. But in that moment, that sort of, um, you know, business version of gallows humor, where we talk about just throwing the business away, is where you realize why you fight for what you fight for, and right. why you do what you do. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important. I, I, I agree with what he said. I mean, I think there's a part of me that doesn't like to hear that because your analogy is kind of the reason why is because, well, you know, I don't want to have to jump in. I don't want to have to take the leap, right? I yeah. I think that, you know, that kind of was going viral for a while, that Steve Harvey talk about where he talked about you got to jump, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, Richard. So, you know, again, on entrepreneurial stories, I know a lot of the people listening to Dose of Leadership over the years are aspiring entrepreneurs. And I'll get an email. Now it's a little less often. It's maybe about once a month or so, but it used to be once a week, sometimes daily. Uh, I want to quit my job and become an entrepreneur. And I always say back, that's a horrible idea. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Don't do it. There's two reasons why. No one would ever email me saying I want to be an entrepreneur <laughs> if they really were one, right. number one. Right. You know what I mean? No, yeah. no one waits around for the permission fairy if they're already on the journey. <laughs> right. So, uh, which by the way, in my new book I'm working on right now, I have a little bit about I'm the permission fairy uh, because I think people think they need it. I think they need someone to tap them on the shoulder and say, okay, you have permission to go be great now. But that's a side note. So number two um, – you know, no one says they want to be an entrepreneur. The other thing is it's horrible advice, uh, especially if you're paying for a wife and kids or, or a husband and kids. You're like the, the breadwinner in this organization. Uh, quitting to be an entrepreneur means I would like to take my funding source offline right now and see if I can magically come up with one. The real answer is go out and find something, make some money, help somebody by that exchange of value. And then when you get enough money that you can cover your salary, quit your damn job. Right. That is, you know, right. there's, that's one way. The other way, your tenacious friend who said you're all going to die and, you know, now your back's against the wall. Some people get fired and they decide, okay, it's time to do it myself. That's okay. If you get laid off, the job's gone. You got to, you, you, you decide you're not going to go apply for another job and put your resume out there in the waters. That's cool. But don't quit a perfectly paying job that you hate just to go be an entrepreneur. Figure something out, change the world, and then quit when you have enough money. Yeah. No, I love that. I, for me, I, I was thinking about this, looking back at how, um, you know, 25, 28 years ago when I first got into the Marine Corps and this, this whole idea of tenacity, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I mean, it, it is. I mean, I, I was looking at the language and and just kind of what we were indoctrinated with from the beginning is like, you just never give up. It's almost like quitting was just never, it, again, it becomes a, a nonsensical word. What does it even mean? Yeah. And I like how you delineate. I, I'm going to start using that. The surrender piece It's different, right? Quitting there's, there's, it's smart to quit sometimes. Right. And, but it's the surrendering piece that you can, is just, is unfathomable. You know, I mean, what does it even mean? You know, you, you still got breath. You still got hope. There's still, there's always an option, right? you have a lot of power in that situation. You, that's what I think people don't realize is how much power they actually have when they're in that deepest mud, when they're, they're back against the wall, they still have an option. They still have a choice in how they're going to respond to it. And there's tremendous power and strength in that. And I think, you know, it, if our heart's in the right direction, Richard, that's, that's sometimes we're just doing stuff because we have to do it. Right. I mean, right. Sometimes we're just trying to keep the kids in SpaghettiOs. And that's that's not the same thing. That's not what we're talking about. We no, talk no, no, about no. tenacity like this. We're talking about, you know, everything's been exhausted. You don't have anything left. You've got to figure out the next move. Uh, now what? And to your point, if quit or, or surrender uh, isn't on the table, 
you know, then it, everything gets a little easier. But another way to look at tenacity, though, and we, we kind of touched it, but we didn't exactly, just as a last note, maybe, is that when things are not do or die is also when tenacity has to happen. It's probably even more difficult, right? Because it's almost yeah. easy. It's almost easy to, you know, if I lose both my engines on takeoff, it's pretty easy to make a, a choice, right? It's life or death. But yeah, when you've got almost kind of blessings around you and things are kind of comfortable. Right. Yeah. That's almost even harder, right? To do the right Comfort thing. is the enemy. Exactly. I mean, that's what the Marines were trying to teach you, yeah, right? I mean, right. that's that's what mm-hmm. the whole indoc process is, is you've been, you've been coddled. Let me help you with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that's great insight. Well, Chris, I love the stuff. That, I mean, you've been, a um, again, I, I said it in the beginning, a great supporter of the show and everything that I do. And, and, of course, you've helped me behind the scenes, you know, me reading your stuff and your, your content and your blog and, I mean, your books. You've helped me tremendously over these past four years. And for that, I thank you. What, um, what are you working on? What are you excited about? What can, what can we look forward to from uh, Chris Brogan? In 2017, I'll have a book coming out called Make Your Own Game. And it is the subtitle, I think, at least as it is right now, is uh, Take Stock, Break the Rules, and uh, Own Your Life. And so the idea being that uh, you can look at life and business as a game. Once you start to figure out the rules, you can decide which of the rules matter and uh, how you're going to win. And what you're going to do to make your own game, which gets a little more fun. So first you learn how to play everyone else's game and then you decide what game you want to learn, which the questions are more like, you know, uh, what do I actually like to do and want to do? Who do I want to do that with and how do I want to get it done? And I think that, you know, if I had a way to help other people, it would definitely be that. I love it. Look forward to seeing that. How can people, how can my listeners, if they haven't been in touch with you, get and find you and, and get in touch with you? You know, my favorite way is if you liked anything we talked about, just grab my newsletter. So go to owner.media and just sign up to my newsletter. And what's cool about mine is a little different than a lot of people's is you could just hit reply and you could talk to me directly anytime. There's no massive amount of staff between you and me. We could just talk. Yeah. And I got to say, too, that your newsletter is probably one of the, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there and you get inundated with a lot of things. Your stuff comes out um, every Sunday chock full of uh, valuable content. It's I've never feel inundated by your stuff. I mean, everything you give me, there's always some nugget that I take out of there. So I uh, just want to let you know that. And for my listeners too, if you're not subscribed to Chris's stuff, do so now because it's probably one of the best, most content-filled uh, newsletters out there. And I never think they're too long, Chris, for what it's worth. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being a friend and thanks for being a supporter. I'm so so glad to have you in my circle. My pleasure. I feel the same way. I'm really grateful and uh, thrilled to be able to deliver a, shall I say, dose of leadership. All right, Chris. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hope you're finding some great value in Dose of Leadership. Hey, go check out my website, doseofleadership.com. Get your free access to some videos or to my free ebook. Also, check out richardryerson.com if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, group coaching, seminars, needing somebody to speak at your next event, I'm always available. Check out more at richardryerson.com. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'd love to hear from you. Richard at doseofleadership.com. It's a great way to get in touch with me. Find me on my Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter. Get in touch with me. We'll make it a great one.